Redemption Church. Let's stand and sing together. Welcome, everyone. Good to see your faces. This is not working, is it? It'll work momentarily. I hope. Do you want to grab another one? Let's do this. Let me just shout for a minute. Welcome. Oh, there we go. It's working. Thanks, Johnny. Everybody give it up for Johnny Winston on the soundboard. We love you, Johnny. 
No joke, he has a PhD. He does. Um, welcome, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. We're going to begin with prayer. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And as we always do, just invite you to take a deep breath of air into your lungs. Just breathe in deep. Fill up your lungs with air and then breathe out slowly. And just kind of continue to do this here in our call to worship. As we just signal to our bodies that we're trying to leave behind the busyness and cares of the week. And we're trying to enter into this sacred space and time of Sabbath where we don't need to worry about anything, where we can just rest and be and just delight in the goodness of our lives and especially of being part of the family of God. And so here as we begin, just invite you to breathe in and out and let's just stand together in silence um, in the presence of God for a few moments here. Lord, we give you thanks for the day. We are grateful to be here, grateful for our own lives and, and to be part of this story and to get to come together and tell it once again, the story of how um, you came for us and that you made us, um, you know us, you love us, and somehow you're leading us into a better future. And so as we turn our hearts toward you, literally turn our, our bodies toward your body and your blood and this cross that makes all the difference for us, we ask you to come to us and to send your spirit into this place, to let it break through maybe the, all the walls we build up around our heart just to make it through the week. And that you would... Um, give us the courage to hear you speak, to maybe challenge us and disturb our peace a little bit, to give us a glimpse of the world as you imagine it and how our lives could maybe be part of that. And so this is what we ask, God. Come to us, speak to us, show us the world as it's supposed to be. Help us to see how we can play a part in that. grateful to be here and grateful that you love us and you're with us. So stay with us, we ask, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
me in the call to worship. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew our faith. Renew our relationships. Renew our trust in your mercy. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Renew our lives inside and out. Come, Holy Spirit, and come. Challenge us. Comfort us. Stir us up. Calm us down. Come. With fire and wind, come to this place. Gather us and send us out.
You may be seated. Our reading this morning is from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? This is the word of God. Please stand and continue worshiping.
So today is a big day in the life of Redemption Church for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm going to right now call up all of our, oh good, they're making a move, youth groups, anybody who's 7th through 12th grade right now, if you'll head over here. And I think our our three Club 56 graduates are already in place, but if their teachers want to come on up and sit over here, today is our Club 56 graduation day which is kind of a big deal. I'm sorry, usually Cole does this, but Cole is on sabbatical, so you are stuck with me. Um, but we are gonna um, c graduate some sixth graders today and cross them over from Club 56, which is kind of our, it's, it's our version of confirmation in a sense, and they're gonna head into our youth group which is an important milestone in the life of these young members of our church. And we set up, you know, very intentionally these rites of passage that they can pass through um, in our U18 ministry. And so this is the culmination of a two-year journey for you guys through the story of God. What we do is um, set them up to, to read through and, and think through and learn through, talk through the whole Bible from start to finish, the history of our, our people. And they're, they're kind of completing that journey and now starting a whole new journey that will take them six years, the next six years to complete. It's kind of wild to think about. Um, and toward another rite of passage, which is graduation Sunday. But we're here to celebrate you guys and what you've done um, in your time in Club 56 as you move as seventh graders into our youth ministry. Um, throughout your time in Club 56, you have been... Um, on this two-year journey to tell the story of God from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And we, the, the congregation, we, we ask you to do this because we think it's really important to learn the story of God from front to back and to learn the history of our people. And um, partly because we want you to have a sense of who we are as people but, uh, uh, and where we come from, but mostly so that you'll grab hold of and, and own that story. 
And so um, we dedicate your fifth and sixth grade years to taking you through the whole story. But now that that's in place, um, it's time for you to move on to our youth ministry. And here you're going to begin to see how those stories or that big story in history fit into um, these four overarching themes or, or narratives, like recurring themes or recurring narratives. And over the next four years, you guys are going to come to understand that these four stories of God and God's people, they have a lot to say actually about what it means to be a human in the world, a person, and even what it means to be you. And these four stories that, that Cole will lead you toward over these next four years are the story of Exodus, the story of exile, the story of the priestly narratives, and the priestly stories. And so it's, it's um, creation, so are, are you paying attention? Creation, <laughs> exile, exodus, and the priestly stories. Priestly story will be the most boring to you in the beginning, but it gets better, I promise. Um, creation stories about how God created the world and created you and is still creating stuff and made you as a creative person, and God is wanting you to create, among other things, meaning, to have a meaningful life. The Exodus stories about how God saved um, the children of Israel, you remember, from slavery in Egypt and led them out of bondage and how God is still doing this sort of thing in the world. Um, the exile story is about kind of like a wilderness story, which you'll hear much more about, um, about getting into messes and finding forgiveness and finding your way back to God when you feel estranged from God, how God always keeps God's promises, stuff like that. And then there's the priestly story, which is about God giving the Israelites a way of knowing for sure that they have a good relationship with God, that God loves them, always forgives them, always restores them, and um, to help them with the sense of guilt, right, that they feel. And the reason um, we want you to learn these big stories of creation, um, exodus, exile, and priestly stories, and and recognize them, the reason we want you to see them as these recurring themes is that they're going to show up in your life all the time. And part of youth group um, from now until graduation Sunday, when you graduate from, from high school, you're going to see the creation story show up as you try to make meaning of your experience. You're going to see Exodus stories show up as you try to get out of a bad situation. Um, you're going to see exile stories come up when you feel estranged from like your parents or maybe your friends or or maybe even yourself. And you'll see priestly stories come up as you learn rhythms of, of prayer, the rhythms and habits that attach you to God. And so these stories aren't just like themes you're going to learn. This is going to happen to you, and we're going to walk you into youth group, and they're going to help you for the next four, um, six years to, to be able to see these four stories and to see them as part of your story as well. And so over the next four years, you're going to be involved, or six years, you're going to be involved in all kinds of groups, um, sports teams, clubs, things like band or any, you know, school activity or club or group or team. And in all those things, they're going to ask some things of you. They're going to ask you to be smart enough. They're going to ask you to be fast or strong enough or pretty enough or cool enough to be part of this team or this club or this group. And if you aren't any of those things, they'll, they'll kick you to the curb. You won't make it. But youth group is different. You're joining with a group that it's, it's very different. It's, it's shaped by 
a different story, like the priestly story where, where you just need to come and be a part of this people and, and you, you will always belong. And that's, that's really the promise we're making to you as you're, you're going to walk here in a moment from, from your Club 56 thing over into joining the youth group. It, it, our promise is that um, you, will always be, you will always belong. That's the kind of community that we're inviting you into. And so I'm going to ask if uh, everybody, well, everybody's mostly standing. And are we, we have just three rising. Is that right? We have one more. We have six. We have six? Sweet job security for Cole. <laughs> this is amazing. That's awesome. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to call your name, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to come grab um, a little cup, and the cup has water in it. And the water in the cup kind of represents your life up to this point. And you're just going to grab the cu cup, walking carefully so as not to spill it. And you're going to bring it over to this, um, this thing, which represents our youth group, um, which should have water in it but doesn't. Um, we're just pretending like it has water in it, everybody, okay? We're just <laughs> pretending. Um, and this symbolically represents what, what the youth group is. So you're going to just like pour your cup into the youth group container. And it's just symbolically saying, I think I'm going to be part of this group now for the next six years. And they're going to take care of me and they're going to help me understand who I am in this story. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Well, then when I call your name, please come forward, grab one of these cups of water and it'll be kind of awkward and we're just going to watch you as you pour it into, <laughs> into this deal. But then these guys are going to welcome you into the youth group. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Here we go. I'm going to ask Miley Holland, if you will go first. All right, let's give it up for Miley. That's a big moment. Okay. Um, Lily, where's Lily Johnson? Lily, go next. All right, let's give it up for Lily. Welcome. All right, let me invite Estella Stewars, if you want to grab your cup. All right, let's give it up for Estella. Okay, I guess I am saying the name Will Brummel. The Brummels are here. Oh, my gosh. Wahoo. Okay, Will, come on over, man. All right, let's give it up for Will. All right, Legend. Legend Brown. Legend, you're next, buddy. All right, let's give it up for Legend. And then Kyle, Kyle Vasquez. Come on ahead, Kyle. All right, let's give it up for Kyle. All right, it's pretty cool. All right, you're in, you're in. You're part of the youth group now. These are your people for the next six years. Look around, 
These, these are your guys. And for those of you who are already here, these are the youngest members of your, your group. Your, your job is to make them feel welcome and to show them the ropes, okay? All right, if you would stand now, adults, and if you would just raise a hand toward them in a blessing, let's pray a blessing on them. Lord, we give you thanks for these kids. Um, we know what they're in for, especially those of us who grew up in a, a church that had a youth group. Oh, there's just so much stuff in front of them. It's just, it's going to be great, and it's going to be a mess. It's going to be exactly what it needs to be. And um, we pray in this moment that you would be um, beckoning them forward into their life and into these um, four narratives that they're going to focus on for the next six years. These four big stories, they're going to happen over and over again. Creation, new creation, exodus out of bondage, exile in the wilderness, and these priestly habits, rhythms, and practices, all of it. And we just pray, God, as we hold out a hand and bless them, that, that they would drink it in deep and just give themselves wholeheartedly to it and that you would raise them and grow them and um, help them to figure out who they are and who you are. And so we bless them on this day in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, congrats, guys. You can head back down to your seats, and let's continue worshiping.
It's now time to bless our children. But before we do, I want to remind you that if you're new with us this morning, we'll have a host in the lobby with a red clipboard, and she'll help you find where your kiddos are going this morning. And otherwise, you can um, bless them with us, and after you do, you can dismiss them to their classrooms. So if you are here with us this morning or at home, put your hands on your children, put your arms around them, and let's bless them. Lord, we ask you to bless our children. We know that before they belong to us, they belong to you, and that we are helping them to steward their lives for your kingdom. As we send them out to be together and with their teachers, we ask that you would go with them, that as they read the scriptures, they wouldn't just see far-off names and places, but that they would catch a glimpse of you and your great love for all of us. More than anything, we pray that they would never know a single day 
that they don't feel a part of the people of God. So we bless them now and ask you to bless them in Christ's name. And we pray that, as we always do, that you would bind our hearts together as a church. Teach us to love each other and the world around us for your sake. Amen. Let's take a minute to greet each other. get started. So we are be, um, ending out our season of Eastertide here um, this morning with Day of Pentecost. That's why we, that's why we changed the, the stuff on the altar, because it's Pentecost, um, which we'll, we'll get to here in a moment. So, okay, did you, in the summertime, did you, did you go to the pool in the summer? Did everybody have like some kind of pool they went to? Okay, so did you ever play that game where like you would get with your friends and you would go underwater and see who could hold their breath the longest and then pop up? And, and, but you cheated? 
Some of you cheated. I always could cheat. It was most fun to cheat at this game with my own children because they, I could get away with it every time. They were just like, you can hold your breath for a really long time. And I'd be like, yes, I can. I totally can. Um, well, this guy, I want to introduce you to this guy, Budimir Sabat. He's a Croatian man. He took that game to extreme levels. I mean, extreme. This guy holds the world's record for holding his breath underwater, which he did for, get this, 24 minutes and 37 seconds. Yes, which sounds impossible. Um, but it's not, at least not for those who are involved in a sport, I put in air quotes, called static apnea. Have you heard of this? Static as in um, not moving, apnea as in holding your breath. It's a sport called static apnea. This is a thing that people do. Um, there's, and there's this whole process that they go through. The first thing is they breathe pure oxygen from an oxygen tank for like several minutes, which is like super oxygenates their red blood cells. It just maxes out the amount of oxygen in their bloodstream. And then they, they start, they do this as they're engaging in these meditation techniques to like slow down their body's metabolism. And then they climb into freezing cold water, like really cold, like 30 degrees, it, which, which does a couple of things. First, it, it makes their heart slow down. It stimulates these nerves to tell their heart to stop, to beat slower, more slowly. But then it restricts blood flow to their, um, extremities and sends it all either to their, you know, their core, their organs, or their brain. Then they do these deep exhalations to like purge their lungs of all carbon dioxide. Some of you look worried. It's fine. It's fine. He worked, it works out fine. Um, <laughs> deep exhalations. And they, then they go back to that pure oxygen source and they're in the water here and kind of usually under the water at this point and they hyperventilate on pure oxygen. Um, filling their lungs to capacity with pure oxygen. Then they practice this technique called lung packing. This is where they lost me. Lung packing is this thing they can do with their throat, I guess. It's a way of using, like swallowing air, but they can actually use those muscles to force more air into their lungs than is supposed to be in there. They can expand their lungs up to several liters beyond their normal capacity. So they do this. It's actually really dangerous. They blow their lungs up like balloons and they're... They're about to pop. And so they have to practice this over time and build up the capacity for their lungs. So they, they train their body to withstand that. Then they just hold their breath using this meditation technique to relax their entire body, keep their heart rate really low. They just float there in the water, suspended by a little flotation device on their, on their back. And they try not to use a single muscle in their body and maximize the amount of time this oxygen Will, will happen, which is not easy, they say, because about 18 minutes in, they start to have these spasms, ooh, and, and they have to meditate their way through this and stay really, really still. But this is what um, Budimir Sabat did when he held his breath for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. And it's weird, there's this whole community of people around this sport, certifiably crazy, all of them, <laughs> especially a subset of this sport who combines this with deep sea diving. It's called free diving. Have you heard of this? Like, th this is even worse than just like the holding your breath thing. They dive to extreme depths with, without an oxygen source, just like holding their breath. In fact, the world record free dive is 702 feet. 
are you kidding me? Yeah, somebody did that and lived. Um, <laughs> yeah. I could go that deep, but I'd be dead like halfway down. Um, diving that deep with like a scuba tank is, is fairly routine because um, you can breathe. But when you can't breathe, this gets really dangerous. In fact, free diving is controversial because a lot of people die from this. They get hypoxia, decompression sickness, they, they pass out, like often. In fact, they've done these um, studies, I kind of went down the rabbit hole on this because I was like, no way people do this. But I, there are these studies they've done on the long-term effects of this on, on your brain. It's not good. Like even, even people who think they're fine and think they have no symptoms, they do brain scans and they're like, this is not good, man. This is, your brain is abnormal already. This one diver lost his ten, um, sense of taste after a dive, and it's never come back. I'm like, that's a deal breaker for me, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Um, they can have trouble sleeping. There's all kinds of, like, neuropathy things that can happen. Their joint pain, stuff. It's, it's not good. But there's this whole, um, like, passionate subculture around these, these sports that really, when you, when you dig down with them, it stems from the thrill they get of trying to go against one of the most basic rules of human life, which is you have to breathe to live, right? And they feel like they're cheating this, at least for a little while. And it's, it's thrilling. But this is an ironclad, incontrovertible fact of life. Humans have to breathe to live. If we don't breathe, it, after two minutes, we'll pass out. For me, it's a lot shorter than that. Um, after four to five minutes, it's like permanent brain damage. After six, seven minutes, that's usually the end of the road because humans have to breathe to live. I remember when, I don't know if you did this, when my kids were newborns, I, would, I liked to go watch them sleep. But invariably, you would see them trying to breathe. Like, you know, infants, they breathe like their whole body. And I would just... I wanted to have like a sweet moment, but I would just look at this going, this is not tenable. Like this cannot, this isn't sustainable. And I would have to like back out of the room and just pray and be like, whatever is happening there in that situation, please make it not stop overnight because I can't watch it. Um, because the infants breathe like crazy. They do 40 to 60 breaths a minute with their whole body, you know. By the time they're 6 to 10 years old, it's down to 20 to 25 breaths per minute. Teenagers take around 15 to 20 breaths per minute, I'm told, unless they are sassing you when it um, directly accelerates their rate of breathing. Um, adults take around 12 to 20 breaths per minute. Let's see where you are right now. Just for a second, close your eyes and um, count your breaths starting right now. We're going to go for like 30 seconds. Just count, breathe normal, count your breaths. Just go for 30 seconds. You're like halfway there already. Some of you are freaking out. Just breathe normally and count. In and out is one breath. 10 more seconds. Okay, stop. So now double that. Roughly that's your breaths per minute. Any, anybody like fewer than five? Any, anybody oh, more than 10? Yeah, a few, okay. Made you nervous. Anybody lose count and now you're like, I gotta stop smoking, anyone? <laughs> I don't mean me. Um, 
so breathing, breathing is a basic building block of life, right? The average person takes 22,000 breaths a day. That's close to eight and a half million breaths in a year. So if you're 35, you've taken already 300 million breaths. If you're 45, you've taken 425 million breaths already. More if you exercise. Um, if you die at 80, if you make it to 80, you will have taken more than 700 million breaths in a lifetime. If you exercise regularly, somewhere between 85 and 95, if you make it that far, and let's face it, the exercisers are the only ones who are going to make it that far, they will pass 1 billion breaths at some point in that window because humans have to breathe to live. So today is Pentecost Sunday, which is celebrated among Christians as the birth of the Christian church. It's the birth of Christianity, in a sense. And, and of this new manifestation of what came to be called the Holy Spirit. Um, Pentecost was originally a Jewish holiday. It was a feast, a harvest festival that was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Pent, you know, means Five, Pentecost means 50th, and so it was 50 days after. As Christians, we kept the date, but we changed the meaning. We celebrate the events described when Christ appears to his followers after um, his resurrection in the upper room. And all the stories of this center around this idea of breath, the breath of God, breathed over the disciples, each of them then breathing in the breath of God, the spirit of God, and in so doing, somehow engaging in this whole new way of being alive. Because you have to have breath to live, right? But it's a, a coming alive in a whole new way because of this new breath. We read a, a few weeks back that on the Gospel of John where this happens. And there it's not on Pentecost, but it's the same story. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were all together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And, and then it says, With that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you, if you don't, they're not forgiven. So in John, this all happens when, it says, when the disciples were all together. That's the prerequisite there. Jesus breathed on them. They, they received the Holy Spirit. But if you remember, Thomas wasn't there. And so he wasn't with the group, so he didn't get in on this, this deal. It's the key detail in, in the text. You had to be with the group. And then when we jump to our, our text that we read earlier from Acts, this describes the telling of this on Pentecost and let me just read part of it again. It says, The festival of Pentecost arrived, and the believers, again here, all gathered together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from the sky, like the roar of a violent wind. Only the, the word for wind there is um, nice. It's, it's, uh, it, um, it literally means breath. Literally, that means breath. It can also mean wind. It means breath. That's what the word is. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, like a fire, hanging in the air or something. And then it says, the, the tongues which separated and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's um, the phrase there is pneumatos um, hagii. 
It's pneumatos is, um, it means breath, again, it's a word for breath, or it can mean spirit. The same word is used for, for both things. And then hagio means most holy. So they were filled with this most holy breath. That's literally the language. And they began to talk in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. And this was it. This was the beginning of this new community that came to be known as the Christian church. It was just born out of this human encounter with the breath of God, breathed deep into their lungs and then sending them out into a new way of life and empowering them to bear witness to this new reality. Like strictly speaking, like theologically speaking, this is God's giving of the Holy Spirit to the Hebrew people. Um, it was not as some, sometimes you'll hear people argue it was the birth of the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the, the Spirit of God is eternal because God is eternal. So it's always been around. It's always been at work in the world. But the Hebrew people, you know, we talk about this a lot. They had created this temple system um, and there were reasons for it. And God had accommodated God's self to the system but it was set up with all these layers of protection, you know, between the spirit of God and the people. And, and the people had to jump through all these hoops in order to get to the God. And frankly, for most of them, it just it wasn't in the cards. And so they felt estranged from God, which made them crazy with anxiousness and fear and all kinds of stuff. But here, the, the breath of God just shows up with these Jewish followers of Christ, breathing new life into them. And here in Acts, it begins the same way it did in, in John. It says, the believers all gathered together in one place, and then the wind and the fire, and it rests on each of them. And, and it's really explicit here, too, in the way the story is told, that the only way to get in on this breath of God was to become part of this group, this new community that was born on that day, to join your life, kind of like the Club 56 kids did today. Like, join your life with this community that's going to breathe life into you and into one another. And it's really for anyone who's willing to change course and do that. Join this with this community. Matthew's gospel, if you remember, really famously, um, had, Jesus had earlier in the story had said, this is how it's going to go when he said, whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. What, what an in, incredibly important thing to say. When two or three, you have to, you need another for this to happen. That's when it happens. It's, it's not meant to be some kind of like personal achievement or private religious experience. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, comes to groups and enlivens them. Groups that gather in the name of Christ. They get in on this gift, this breath. You have to join with a, a community, not just any community, one that's trying to see it, trying to, to breathe it. And they did. They, they, they were filled with this new breath and came alive, came alive in a new way because you have to have breath to live, even this new kind of life. And of course, this is deep in their old story, right? Clear back in Genesis, it says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and, and man, human, became a living being. It's like what separates humanity from the rest of creation is this, this breath, right? This spark of the divine. 
And the, the Hebrew people, they had some peculiar, you know, crazy ideas about God like this, including the main crazy idea, which was that there was only one God. Everybody else had a whole bunch. And this God had given them commandments, um, ten commandments, the third of which said, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, which we take to mean don't say a certain cuss word that is a no-no. They took this to mean, and still do, don't say the name. Don't even write it. Like, don't even look at it. Like, don't try to name God. To name something is to define it, right? They're like, don't, don't do it. Just don't say it. You can't handle the name. You'll misuse it. That's what they took that to mean. And so they had to come up with workarounds. They were going to say the name. They had to say something in there. And so they would use circumlocutions, right? Workarounds. A way to reference God without using the name. So they would say Adonai, which means the Lord. In your Bibles, if you ever see the Lord, and Lord is in all caps, that's telling you in the original text the word they used was Adonai. Or they would use Hashem, which means the name. They just insert the name. Jewish prayers sometimes say master of the universe, which I I like. It's, you, you might notice that from Fiddler on the Roof. He says it over and over, master of the universe. Like, what are you doing to me? It's ways to reference God without breaking this command. And the Hebrew language is, is like, notoriously difficult. Like, I can't do it. I'm terrible at it. It's just not in the cards for me. The, for one thing, the letters are flipped. They go the other way because the language is written from right to left instead of left to, to right. Like, you lost me there already. You turn those things around, I'm, I'm out. But um, for a long time, they didn't write the vowels. They only wrote the consonants. And what it meant to be educated was to be able to know which vowels go in, in which words, which seems like a crazy thing to do, but this is what they did. And the, the name of God in Hebrew then was written with four consonants. In English, we represent them with Y, H, W, and H, sometimes called the tetragrammaton. Tetra for four, grammaton for letters. And there's a fight. Like some say it should be pronounced Yahweh. Others say it should be pronounced Jehovah. That the Jewish people say it shouldn't be pronounced at all. Don't say it, right? <laughs> but in terms of its meaning, there's an argument over that too. But the Y is, is, could be like a masculine prefix. It's like saying he or him or it could just be one. Um, the other part of the word, it means um, causes to exist, causes to be, which we cry, we qu- requires breath. You have to have breath to be, to live. So if, if you kind of mash it all together in this one word, it means something like he who or one who breathes life into life, into living things. Even the name of God is rooted in this idea of breath. And you can't say the name of God, but they have, they have workarounds for that. And then there, there's this ultimate workaround, this rabbinic teaching they had um, with Yahweh. The, the name is, has these four letters, and when they're correctly pronounced, they're the only Hebrew consonants that don't allow you to close your lips or use your tongue. And so when these consonants are correctly pronounced, they're not really a pronouncing at all. They are more like a breathing in fact, it's thought that, that they're meant to mimic the sound of breath in this attempt to um, imitate inhalation and exhalation. So try this with me. Um, say yah. All right, now whisper yah. Yah. All right, now whisper way. Now say, whisper yah while inhaling and way 
while exhaling. So it'll go like this. You'll go, do it again. One more time. Isn't, isn't that wild? Like, to say the name of God in Hebrew is not really a pronouncing so much as it's the sound the human body makes when it breathes. Like you almost picture like a primitive person early in linguistic stages trying to reference to his buddy something about the creator and he like grabs his chest and points to the sky and is like, you know, the thing, the thing, whatever it is that get, puts breath in my lungs, you know, the like that, this is where the name begins. And, and what the rabbis taught and what Jesus would have been taught as a boy is it really all of your life, what you're trying to do is you change and grow and learn. You're trying to learn to use the name of God rightly to become the kind of person who's worthy of speaking this name, not so much by saying it, more by embodying it in your life. And life takes breath, bearing the image of this God, allowing your whole life to, to speak rightly, the name of God with every, every breath. All of Jewish life was, was really this quest to live a life worthy of the name they couldn't say, but could only bear in their bodies, their very lives. And they weren't allowed to speak it, but in a sense, they were already speaking it. They were always speaking it, breathing it. It's, it's strange to think of it this way, but like the, the very first word you ever spoke was the name of God. The very last word you'll ever speak was the name of God. What the church came to believe and passed down to us is that our very lives are a kind of speech. Now, did your parents teach you when you were growing up, actions speak louder than words? This was leveled like a threat at me over and over, Right? That's the heart of this rabbinic teaching. Our actions, our lives, they speak. And they speak the name of God, whether we want them to or not. And they can speak it in legitimate or illegitimate ways. And getting in on this community means learning how to speak it. How to be human as human was meant to be. And thereby coming fully alive, more alive than we could imagine. And so God, God has made God's self as close to us as our very breath. It's that available, that natural to us. Every, every breath we take, every moment we name God, it's moving in and out of us. And you don't have to be a rabbi or a super Christian or, or anything. You just have to be a human being and this is happening. But to learn how to say it well, you know what I mean? Rightly, the only way to do this is to come be part of this community that lives in, in a sense, in the name of Jesus. To come to an awareness of this requires this new community, the church, where everyone's trying to chase the same thing. Everybody's chasing after how to say this name rightly. And it's not easy. We get scared, we get confused, we lash out, we self-protect. We get involved with other communities who try to name us or help us name God in other ways. We just forget about it sometimes, try to ignore it or speak some other name. You have to join with a community who's chasing this down 
in order to, to be reminded constantly about this spirit that was breathed into us, that's always breathing into us and through us. And, and so our job really as a church is to try to come awake to this reality that the spirit of God is here, that it lives in you and through you out into the world. And you've been breathing this name since you were born. You will always breathe it. Every breath you take calls out the name of your creator 22,000 times a day, 8.5 million times a year, hundreds of millions of times over your lifetime. And so you don't have to be afraid. And you will never be alone. For many years at Redemption, we've used this metaphor. I don't even know how we fell into it. It just started happening. Um, we use lungs as a way to describe what has been happening here over the last decade or, or so. Um, and the example goes like this. It's like God um, breathes us each week into God's own lungs when we gather for worship. It's like a cosmic inhalation that draws the church together every seven days. And we come here and we do what happens in lungs. Like we confess our sins, we sort of offload some of the junk that's killing us and we receive forgiveness from that. We're kind of, we're cleansed from impurities that clog our systems. We kind of cleanse the vision. We, we tell this story of how God came for us and God loves us and we're fortified, you know, we're with relationships and connections and, and story and all the things that we need to survive. And then God just <sighs> exhales us out breathes us out into the world. A little bit transformed, hopefully. A little strengthened. And these agents of redemption, and we just go, you know, we go home. We go to our schools and neighborhoods, to our workplaces, our friends and families, and we carry with us the very breath of God. You carry the breath of God everywhere you go. This, this is church. We're breathed in together every week. We're cleansed and fortified and breathed out then into the rest of the world to carry God's presence in gospel, good news, to the world. And, and with every breath you take, you're giving God back to the world. Only this time with some of you attached to it, you know? Some of your life attached to it. And this is what God wants. And when a group of Christ followers gets to doing this, really breathing God in deeply and breathing God out deeply, only with them, some of them attached to it, pouring out their lives for their friends and for the marginalized especially, even a bunch of ragamuffins like us, we can be part of the miracle of resurrection. God conspires through the church. You know that word conspire? I mean, think about it. Con with spire is respiration. It's breathing. Conspire means breathe with, to breathe together. Like, everybody take a breath in. <gasps> breathe it out. <sighs> you have just been part of a conspiracy. That was conspiring, <laughs> right? To conspire is to breathe together. All of us filled with the same breath, right? The same spirit. And to be part of a church is to be enlivened by the same breath. And Pentecost was the beginning of this conspiracy called the church. And we're part of it here this morning. Same breath. All of us filled with the same spirit, enlivened by the breath of God. The same breath that awoke, that 
awakened the church on the first Pentecost. And this is why every year on Pentecost Sunday, we um, ask our entire church to reaffirm our commitments to being part of this, um, members of this body. And um, we also, on this day, invite folks who, are, who got breathed in with us this year somehow um, to make it official, to join with us officially. And so this is what we're going to do with the rest of our time together today. We're going to um, reaffirm our membership commitments. And I'm going to ask parents, if you have a kiddo um, down in children's ministry this morning, if one of you could sneak out now and go get them because we want our kids to get to be part of everything that happens from here on out. What we're going to do from here, so if you want, if you've got a kid down there, run down and get him, bring him back as fast as you can. And we are going to do our communion liturgy first. So while they're going to get the kids and bring them back in, um, we're going to talk about our communion liturgy as we always do. Um, let me real quick explain to those of you who are left in the room how this is going to go down. So we have these two tables you can see up here on either side, and they have um, two things on them. They have some papers from our membership log, our roll book, and then they have these rocks. And so if it's your first time joining us, you don't have to do this if you joined before. If it's your first time joining with us, sign your name on the roll book so that we know who you are. And if they ever come looking for us to arrest us, they'll get you too with us. Um, sign your name in the roll book. Sign your kids. Let your kids sign their own name. Um, and then take the rock and sign, sign the rock with a Sharpie. And then the rocks all go in a pile over here by the window. And everybody who's a member of the church has, has their name on a rock or their family's name on a rock. And it's just kind of just kind of lives here in the building. It's like your little, your little bit of real estate in, in the neighborhood. It's just saying, I'm, I'm in, I'm here with you. And so in, in a moment after a communion, when you come up to receive communion, if it's your first time and you want to join with redemption, come write your name in the book, write your name on the rock, take it over there, put it in that ragamuffin bunch of rocks over there, and then you're part of us. And then you join breathing in, breathing out with us every week and learning what it means to say this name rightly. But first, I'm going to invite you to stand and um, we're going to receive communion. Also, let me just say, if you've had a new baby this year and want to add your baby's name, come forward and we'll help you. The old book is here. We'll help you find the book, pull the pages out. You can write that in there. And, or if your kids are just old enough to write and they want to write their own name, come find your page. Let them write their name. Um, or if they just want to come up and find their rock, come up and find your rock. Like, it's going to be a mess up here, and, and that's, that's cool. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and he blessed it, and he said, he handed it out to his guys, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup, passed it around, they all drank of it. He said, this, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, a new deal between you and God established in my blood. Blood meant life. And then he said a really weird thing. He said, every time you gather, eat, eat my body and drink my blood. And they're understandably like, what? And he kind of explained, and we've explored this over the years in the church. What he means is, I want you to feast on my life. 
take my life into your life and be made out of the stuff I'm made out of and then go out in the world and be my hands and feet to the world. He said, every time you gather, do this. And so this is why we receive communion. And this is also why we just, we don't put up roadblocks. Anybody who calls on the name of Christ and just says, help me, you can come join us at the table. So if you will, pray with me and let's, let's bless it first. Lord, we give you thanks for this bread and this cup. May it be to us a means of your grace, a spiritual food and drink. And as we receive it into our bodies, may we receive you once again. Will you come and live inside us? Make us new from the inside out and then send us out into the world to be salt and light and let the world feast on us and taste and see your goodness. All to the glory of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. Amen. So I invite you to come receive communion and if you want to, to come join with Redemption Church.
Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix